coronavirus update leaves us with two choices. Either we bury our heads in the sand and wait for someone to save us, or we lean into this crisis and fight back with all we've got. If you know anything about America's industrial sector, you know the men and women who work in it do not back down from a fight, and they're ready to pitch in and lead this great American comeback. My name is Ben Lawrence. I'm the Chief Business Officer at KCF Technologies, and I'm honored to represent a company committed to supporting the American industrial cause. How are we doing so? By donating, free of charge, the machine health technology and engineering services that will eliminate downtime, safety incidents, and production interruptions that will otherwise disrupt our American energy and manufacturing sectors at a time that we cannot afford it. This podcast will showcase the mission-critical industrial applications our industry needs to survive, as we'll interview leading experts who have insight into the blind spots that could set us back, along with their ideas on how to avoid them. Ready to do your part? Sit back, listen, and ask yourself, who do I know who's in a position to solve the problems that this podcast describes? Whether it's you or someone you know, let's connect these guys and ladies and put America in the best position to come roaring back, stronger, smarter, better. Hi, everyone. In this episode, we sit down with Rob Kennedy. Rob used to work for one of the largest power generation facilities in the United States, He's based in the Midwest, but services our power generation customers all throughout the United States. He's incredibly dialed in to the power generation industry and where some of the blind spots and key applications lie that could really benefit from some new industry 4.0 technologies that are capable and proven to eliminate a lot of the downtime that remains a threat to the power generation field. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this interview with Rob Kennedy. Rob, welcome to the podcast interview today. We're going to get right into it and talk about power generation facilities and the maintenance practices that they currently follow and how those compare to what might be a better way that can keep them up and running amidst this coronavirus outbreak. So tell us a little bit about the ways that power plants typically monitor machine health and how do they typically prioritize maintenance to those machines? Sure. Typically, you'll see route-based maintenance uh, is provided to those machinery during during normal operating times. And then the only time by really, route-based maintenance, what do you mean by that? Describe to our listeners, what is route-based maintenance? Of course. So route-based in the power generation field is using the handheld machine and going up and actually touching the machine and getting the readings that way. Once they've done that, they have collected that data. However, typically, if, if things are running well, they'll wait until the next shutdown or uh, economic shutdown of the plant to uh, complete any maintenance on that asset. So as you describe it, I'm, in, I'm picturing, and tell me if this is accurate, it, 
someone in the plant who's walking around with a super fancy stethoscope, for lack of a better term, and they're placing that stethoscope to a machine for perhaps a few seconds at a time, and they're downloading all of the health metrics or heartbeats coming off that machine, and then do they have to go back and analyze it somewhere else at a later time? Correct, yes. So what I've seen in some of the facilities that I've been in is that a uh, technician goes out, collects the data, then returns that data to the engineer who then processes it and analyzes it themselves. So periodic health checks. And in your experience, Rob, why does that traditional method of monitoring the health of these machines, why does that leave power plants susceptible to unplanned downtime? Well, Ben, it's what you're running into is you are already starting behind the eight ball. You are being reactive rather than proactive. Because let's say that machine has been running poorly for a month. Okay, now you take your reading at the end of that month, you're already behind the eight ball. Whereas if you were continuously monitoring it, you would have caught, and, caught pardon me, all of those issues in that previous month. Ah, okay. So you may not even know that the machine is sick until 30 days in. How often do power plants typically take those readings? That's just based on the machine itself. And that really is based off of the criticality of that piece of machinery. Mm -hmm. Oh, some assets are more critical than others. So, okay. And, and that just depends on uh, from plant to plant, what they find uh, is more critical to them. Some plants, base it off of what's been a, a bad actor for uh, the previous few years before. Uh, just base it off of what could take them down that day. You make a good point there, Rob, when you talk about different machines are treated differently based on their criticality. So what can you tell us about what are some of the, I would say, highly critical upper class machines in power generation that are treated like superstar athletes and what are the machines that may be on the other end of the spectrum and don't get much love at all but are also critical at the end of the day sure i mean again this goes back to the plant by plant basis but what i've seen is is the cooling pumps the stator cooling pumps which you know will keep the generator cool those are very, very important to some plants. So those, those kind of get treated first. Um, auxiliary cooling pumps, those are, those are usually looked after pretty well. Um, and then it kind of goes down the list. And one thing that's been interesting to me throughout uh, the process at KCF has been noticing that the intake pumps, which you know for, for most power plants are, are on some sort of body of water, be it a river or a lake, um, those, those really aren't monitored that closely and those could take down a plant very quickly because that's where they get all of their water from to create steam, to create, uh, the cooling. Ah, so the pumps that are literally sucking water out of the river and pulling that water in, you know, funny story related to that, Rob, I know of another customer of ours that has these pumps that are responsible for bringing the water in to make steam and they're, they're pumps that are right down at the base of a huge river. 
there are two or three times a year that those pumps fail catastrophically. Nobody knows it's coming, but I don't know if I even told you this. Do you know why they fail? Why is that? Fish. So really, <laughs> there are, there are certain type. I can't remember if they're cod. I, it's some kind of fish that's small enough that it can fit through the filters <laughs> on these pumps. But the fish will swarm the river, and they get jammed in these pumps. And there's no good way to keep them out. And it brings the entire utility plant down. So I, I hear what you're saying. So let's take a pump like that. And these are hundreds, if not thousands, of horsepower from what I have seen. Yes. Uh, what right. are some of the most common failures that can bring these pumps down and force a power plant to paint itself into a corner? Well, since a lot of them are are going kind of in deep down deep, you know, you'll see a lot of the bent shaft, you know, because there's a lot of shaft that can be can be moved around, uh, build up on the propellers. Um, typically at these facilities, they do have some court, some sort of screening process before them, but you know, a screen's not going to get everything. The other interesting thing is usually they're fairly far away from the plant. So in the past, they haven't had the ability to remotely monitor something. So with this now coming about, I mean, I, I feel like this is a very, very simple thing for plants to start on and to test out the technology of remote technology. Okay. So given their distance from the plant, they're kind of way out there in left field, right? And so a simple wireless device that's automatically connected to the internet can give them figurative eyes and ears in a facility where there may not be a person stationed 24-7. So are you saying these pump houses down by the river for example, uh, there's not someone who's staffed there 24-7 to keep an eye on them? No, no, not not typically. It's it's the way that the, these pump houses are set up. They're, they're far enough away, and there's not any real assets that need to be monitored there. And they're typically not easy to get to. Some of these are down maybe a dirt road or something, muddy and potholed very easily in the spring. And they might just say, well, the heck with it. We can't get down there right now. It's too muddy. So during the muddy pothole season, that's when the fish are going to swarm and take you down. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I know that we have thousands of sensors deployed throughout the power generation industry across the United States. But what's an example that comes to mind for you, Rob, of a certain application where our technology was able to help a power plant avoid a, a costly downtime incident. Actually, we just had one here recently that I think is very timely. So there was a, a fan, one of the ID fans, the induction fans that, uh, that work with the cooling tower, uh, was running really rough and really the software pointed it out immediately. And sure enough, we, we looked at it. It showed an imbalance. The mechanics were able to go look at it. They had the capacity to, to pause that one and, and run off of just the others. And they cleaned off the fan, and they said there was more junk on those fan blades than anything. It was running 90% better. 
Wow. Within a matter of two hours of, of maintenance. That was an area that they typically don't go to. So they wouldn't have heard that it was running rough and it would have potentially just catastrophically failed just off of a buildup of gunk, dirt, debris on the fan blades. A very easy fix could have cost them tens of thousands of dollars. Wow. Yeah, it doesn't have to be something super complex, right? Just a, a critical fan that helps to keep your air circulating. How about one? Do you have any other examples? I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm interested to know of others that our listeners might find relevant. So we recently had a stator pump issue at a nuclear facility uh, where, again, it was showing kind of an imbalance, soft foot. And, uh, of course, the cooling is very, very important at a nuclear plant. So once once they we were able to identify that, plant maintenance went out there, tightened the base. You know, just spent a couple minutes tightening one of the bolts, pulling it in place, and it improved dramatically. So, again, another example of an easy, simple fix that is very cheap can save something to be from being extremely expensive and, and, and a lot of lost time and lost power generation. You know, I'm thinking about at a power generation facility, Rob, that the maintenance technicians that are forced today to walk around the plant with their fancy stethoscopes and take thousands of health readings on these machines and just the whole concept of liberating them from that mundane and sometimes dangerous work and giving them an opportunity to just go fix the machines that are asking to be fixed. What a huge efficiency improvement that can also keep the plant running. Well, this is really insightful. To close us out here, Rob, if a power generation facility wants to get started with a program like this, where should they begin? In other words, what applications in your experience are best suited as the ones to focus on first? So I recommend to any new or, or potential customer to always look at their critical level assets. Most plants you'll see levels one through four or, or however that, that plant has set, set up their asset list. And look at your critical level ones and twos and maybe point out the bad apples, point out the ones that you've had to change out quite often or, or do a lot of maintenance on. Start with those and let us monitor those for you so we can start to get some easy successes under your belt. And then we can grow the program organically from that. Mm -hmm. And any advice on how not to do it? What's a common mistake? that you might see when power generation facilities are trying to roll out these types of continuous monitoring programs? I, I think monitoring too little. As a guy who used to work for a power generation company, is a, they're very safe. They've been around forever. We've always, forever, but for, for the long, lifespan of myself and, and, and yourself and your parents, and I'm sure your grandparents, the power companies have been around. So one thing that they do is not move quickly or move into an innovative thing very fast. And 
And dipping your toe in the water is good for some things, but when it comes to machine health, you really need to allow yourself to, to dive in a little deeper than just dip, dipping your toe in. Very good. So be aggressive. That's what I'm hearing as the takeaway. Yes. yes. You're not a guinea pig, right? These power generation facilities are already using this technology. It's already approved for applications on both the fossil fuels and the nuclear side. And they have really nothing to lose and a lot to gain. Real quickly, I think the important thing that uh, that we can share with these power companies is you, they're in fact, like you said, they're in fact not the first person, first people to do this. Um, we based our program off of the EPRI Quick Guides, so we are aligned with what EPRI is looking for for the continuous online monitoring. And there are several Fortune 500 power generation companies that are already using our technology based on the EPRI Quick Guides. I'm glad you made that point. Rob, thanks so much for taking time out of your busy day. I know given our current coronavirus crisis that you are as busy as anyone out there. And we really appreciate the time you've made. Stay safe and wash your hands. Yes, always a pleasure, Ben. Thank you very much. All right, thanks.